This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, welcome to the Well.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. Recently, I took a trip out to Nashville with my band Chuck Mountain and got to sit down with JB from Fort Houston, a makerspace out in Nashville. And we just kind of talked about the benefits of joining a makerspace and learned a little bit about the programs that they're launching there to help people build businesses. So hope you enjoy the episode and thanks for tuning in. JB. Bo. JB, what does JB stand for? JB stands for Julia B. Julia B. B E E, like the bug. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're here at Fort Houston. You're the head of the metal shop. Tell us a little, how did you get into working here? Like a lot of people at Fort Houston, I walked in the door one day and was like, this place is cool. Can I be part of it? And they were like, yeah, you can. Sure can. And, (laughs) And that was it. I had a friend who was a screen printer. Uh, there used to be a shop in here called Grand Palace, not in here, in the original building. And a good friend of mine was a community member there, and I walked in, and I had been doing film photography at the time, and I'd really been wanting to open a community darkroom. Um, so I walked in, and I was like, hey, I've been thinking about doing a community darkroom. What do you think about that? They said, we've wanted that. Do you want to have a darkroom in the corner over there in that weird little room? Turns out, a wood shop is a terrible place for a dark room. Oh, yeah. Absolute trash. Dust, uh, all kinds of flying things going around. Yeah, no, it was it was not smart, but I was, you know, a teenager, and I was just having fun, and, you know. So, you started welding. You said you, you've taught yourself how to weld. Yeah, for the, for the most part. So, I took a gap year between my first year of college and... First year of college at Tulane in New Orleans, and then went to New York, but took a gap year and came home to Nashville. And um, a friend of mine, a guy I worked with, wanted to set me up with his friend, and they built freak bikes, uh, double-decker bikes, tall bikes, stuff like that. And he was like, hey, under the uh, auspice of setting me up with this guy, he was like, do you want to come over to our house and learn how to weld? It's like, well, yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we went over to his backyard, and they had a flux core welder and an angle grinder and nothing else. <laughs> and I learned, they. let's see, we did have helmets, but we did not have gloves. <laughs> they were like, you'll get burned, you'll get sparks all over your hands, but just, you'll get used to it. Yeah, no. That's, so. Well, that's like a huge thing that Weld.com is trying to really help promote is PPE. And yeah. Protecting your body, because it's... You see all kinds of people on the internet. They just are welding in short sleeves. And yeah. Like, the radiation's real. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I've got my burn on me. Yeah. My giant how did, burn. How did you get that? Uh, just Touching. sitting. Yeah, I was sitting on the floor welding some casters onto one of our weld tables. And just... just bumped it. What about welding kind of fascinated you to want to get into doing it more often? So I built my first bike. That was my first welding project. And I think a lot of other welders 
sort of understand that like the the moment you weld for the first time, you're just like, oh, this is the thing for me. Oh, I'm harnessing the power of the sun. Exactly. Yeah, I was like, I'm God. (laughs) I'm super. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I can fuse metal together. Like, yeah. So I had first learned, like, you know, in my buddy's backyard, uh, and at the same time I was running the darkroom at the fort, and that was before they had a metal shop at all, but we did have a motorcycle shop. And the motorcycle dudes had a welder, had just, like, a dusty welder in the corner. And I was like, I know what that is. Let me do that. And just, I just immediately started making furniture. I mean, I always made stuff as a kid. I was obsessed with a hot glue gun, which I think has a lot to do with why I like welding. Yep, yep. (laughs) It wasn't any sort of conscious thought. It was just, I, I just started it, and I just never stopped. And so working out of a makerspace is different than, like, working out of a shop. Because you've said you've worked in shops, but the big difference between working in a makerspace and working in a, a shop is just the level of learning from other... Like, when you work in a shop, you want to find that, that one welder that has all the experience mm-hmm. and try to get on their good side... Working in a makerspace, can you describe the difference in that? Yeah, I mean, in a makerspace, because it's not, you're not in any way limited to one area of interest. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, I walked in to the fort almost 10 years ago to do photo stuff and became obsessed with welding. And Tyler, one of our members, he came in to use a metal shop and now he's doing concrete. And we see that all the time you're not pigeonholed in any way and you have the freedom to do whatever you want and you're really only limited by what you feel comfortable doing and what you can convince someone to show you how to do and in a makerspace there's really no lack of that there's absolutely no like guarding of secrets because most people here aren't doing it professionally and all they want to do is they want to share and learn because they want to share their knowledge because they want to be able to learn from other people. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's a big giant skill share give take all the time. Like I wouldn't know half of what I know now if it weren't for just walking up to people and being like, Hey, hey what's that? <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> yeah. What you working on? Well, but you were telling me before, do you want to talk a little bit about the new program you're about to start? So the program's called Seed sustainable entrepreneurial economic development and it's a a sister program to state program which is uh, what we already have for the for the gallery and artists so with state uh, we're about to start our second year and both programs basically provide a year-long scholarship for a free studio space for an artist or a craftsperson for a year and then provides them with connections in, you know, whatever field they want to work in. The seed program is going to have business classes and it's really geared towards people who want to turn their side hustle or their, their hobby into a successful small business. So it'll be paired with business classes, talks and mentorship from businesses that have come out of Fort Houston before. Um, and of course they, they get a full size desk for a year and they get access to the full wood shop and metal shop for a year. And I think we're also doing access to like markets and maybe have some sort of like trade show in our gallery to focus on makers rather than painters and sculptors. You showed me one of your sculptures that you just did. Working here, do you find that you, like do y'all have people reaching out from the community for commission stuff or? Constantly. Yeah. 
constantly. And that's what's so great about living in Nashville right now and being a maker in Nashville. I'm really trying to get the word out that being a tradesperson is a really, really valuable thing yeah. in Nashville right now because I am drowning in work all the time. I can't even, you know, respond to all of my emails to say no. There's a super high demand for welding specifically, but carpentry as well. We have people walking through our door all the time asking for stuff. And even with all the members that we have, we can't say yes to even half of it yeah. because we are each individual person is already doing their own thing and it's already drowning in, in work. Yeah. Um, so we really want to bring more people in the door to let them know that this is a really fun world to work in, but there's also a ton of money to be made and a lot of jobs. Um, and that's the thing about trades, that there's been kind of a stigma towards them for a long time, but I think people are starting to catch the drift that not everybody can go out there and be it, an accountant or whatever. Everyone's going to get a business degree, you know, but they trades are... You're your own boss. Like, you find your own work. Yeah. You can charge what you want. And it's, there's a lot of work to be had out there, especially. It's not going anywhere. No. (laughs) And it's a skill that is not as widely known these days. Yeah. So, you do classes here as well, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, we are, we're ramping up our programming right now because this is a new building. Um, We've only been a nonprofit for three years. And we've really spent the last year just building out the physical space. So we haven't been able to get our programming running. We had one uh, knife making class. We have a really talented culinary bladesmith in here named Duncan Stevenson. He is absolutely fantastic. He taught a two day knife making workshop, which was a huge success. And then we taught our first intro to metalworking class, um, which was the basics of cutting, beveling, drilling, and welding. So in your, in your classes, is it more just kind of an intro or do you kind of go through like the different things you getting fusion, like prepping material, like any of the like kind of code work, or is it more of just kind of like get you up and running, see what you see if you're into it, you know, it's, um, it's exclusively see if you like this, see if it's your thing, because I, I didn't go to school for welding, um, No one in our shop right now went to school for welding. And I let everyone know that, um, you know, whenever I'm teaching people stuff, you know, I I teach them about penetration, about a good joint. You know, I I teach them everything that I know about getting the strongest welds possible. But I also always remind them, we're not building bridges. Yeah. You know. Not not welding the bridge code. Right. So we don't put nearly as much stress on that. Mm -hmm. And if, like, I have people ask me, like, weld trailers all the time. Mm -hmm. And I say, nope. We do not do that here. Don't have the insurance for it. Yep. We don't have the insurance for it. We don't. We don't have the certs for it. We're not doing that. But our makerspace is not, you know, no one, aside from people who want to fix their boat trailers, like, nobody in here really wants to do that sort of thing. We're mostly making furniture railings small things that you know if your if your weld is good and strong it's not going to fail yeah. you're, you're going to be okay yeah you know we we do cover the basics but it's definitely more for the hobbyist people who want to do furniture people who want to do sculpture that sort of thing it's a lot more focused on the artistic kind of design side artistic how to bring your full idea to fruition nice. and of course make it so it's not going to collapse but also 
if you're welding and your welds are pretty good, you know, it's not going to collapse unless you put it under you know, yeah. 10,000 pounds of pressure. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> tensile strength of get you. Yeah, yeah. The, the sculpture that uh, Brian Wooden and I did a couple months back, he was just like, I, I just can't believe that one little tack like that can hold this entire thing up. Yeah, like, yeah man, metal's amazing. That was pretty cool. <laughs> Welding is magic. It is. I've got a sign on my, uh, that I, I put up in the metal shop. By the, by the, your material. Yeah. Welding is magic. It is magic. So, different processes that y'all offer here. Like, tell us a little bit about your setup on the welding side. Because we'll get into the other material, the other tools, but just specifically like the welding processes, which ones do you offer here? Yeah, so stick welding is really the only thing we don't do. Um, we have, let's see, three MIG welders, two TIG welders, and oxyacetylene. And do you do, uh, with your, is it all 110 or do you have 220 up there? So we, we recently got two welders um, from Bailey, which are both 110 or 220. Um, and then we've got a Miller that's like a 50 amp 220. That's our big boy. But the Bailey welders, one is a AC DC TIG welder, and then the other one is a DC multi process. So it does MIG TIG, and then we've also got an aluminum spool gun on okay. it, which is awesome. That's a big thing. Like most maker spaces you're going to go to, it's either you're going to just have stick or you're going to have MIG, but mm -hmm. that's. It's cool that you have TIG and you have the ability to do aluminum because not a lot of places are going to have that mm -hmm. AC or a spool gun to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. I had never done any spool gun welding. And um, I remember <clears throat> Tyler, he had had a little bit of experience aluminum welding like in high school. And he came in and he just set up a spool gun and started going for it. And he's great at it. And I, I don't know how to do that. I hate the spool gun. I hate the spool gun. So there's things here that, you know, I can kind of, I can pass off to other people. My, my partner absolutely loves a plasma cutter. It's his favorite thing. And so I can sort of pass it off to him. You have a plasma up here as well? Yep. Nice. And our knife, our knife guy, he's, uh, he went to school for small metals. So he knows a lot about forging hot techniques, oxyacetylene, so if you're trying to do, you know, heating, annealing, that sort of thing, he knows a lot more than I do about that sort of thing. So we really do all, you know, lean on each other a little bit to get the best outcome for whatever someone's trying to do. When you, someone new comes in, what's the process of onboarding here? So uh, usually they come in, book a tour, we show them the whole space, and then, you know, let them know what our, our price structure is, and if... Uh, and if they want to sign up, they can sign up for our membership through our, our membership um, coordinator. And then if they're looking to work primarily in the wood shop, they'll go through a wood shop orientation with our, our manager there. It's about two to three hours. He'll go through all the tools, safety, everything. And then if they think they want to use, you know, if they know that they want to use a metal shop, they'll come in and they'll do a full orientation with me. And usually somebody knows where they want to be, but they're interested in working in the other shop. So I've got a couple woodworkers coming in tonight who, like, I've never done metalworking, but, you know, I'm, I'm curious about it. So that's a lot of, a lot of who I bring into the metal shop are woodworkers who have just never had access to any metalworking equipment at all, because it's a little bit harder to get into. So I give them a full orientation, and then I'll sit down with them. You know, we usually start with MIG welding, and I'll give them a little, 
introduction on McWelding and I'll give them a bunch of coupons and be like, there you go. Go for it. You know, here's how to, how to not blow anything up. <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, it's like with uh, people think that welding is a lot more dangerous than it is. Mm -hmm. I always kind of tell people like, you're a lot less likely to cut your finger off in the metal shop than you are in the wood shop. Yeah. And I've got a lot of people who think that the, the gases that you use in arc welding are flammable. Yeah. And I'm no. like, they're not. <laughs> they're the opposite of flammable. So I think just, just getting rid of that uh, intimidation is a big part of getting people into the metal shop. And that's like a big thing with welding in general, you know, just the industry. Like when I first started, I thought it was going to be a lot more dangerous. Yeah. But uh, I feel like that's kind of another stigma where people are, they don't want to get into it because they're like, oh, it's the most dangerous thing you could do. You know? Yeah. It's like and welding is the most dangerous, dangerous job you can have. <laughs> yeah. I had a, we have a member who, um, she's, 65 small lady um and she does these amazing wood carving uh sculptures and she was and she'll come in and she'll like dr drill holes and some pieces of metal and stuff for her but she doesn't do any welding so she was in one day and i was like kit when are you gonna come learn how to weld and she was like i did it once but you know i just i feel like it's i feel like it's dangerous and i just don't know as much about it and i just would really want to know like everything about it before i got back into it and i was like kit don't you, like, carve sculptures with chainsaws? <laughs> and she was like, well, yeah. I was like, that's a lot more dangerous. Yeah, that's <laughs> than, a little bit more intense than, than what we do in here. I'm like laying a bead down. Yeah, I'm like, the most dangerous thing in here is an angle grinder with a cutoff wheel. Yeah. So. When you first get into welding, you know, people are like, the only thing you need is a welder and a grinder, and you're good to go. You can, it's amazing the amount of things you can make with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my introduction to welding was with kids who built freak bikes, and they built all sorts of crazy stuff. And it's, you know, we didn't even have clamps. Mm -hmm. You know, we, your foot was the clamp, and your angle grinder was your saw. And that's, and that's all we had, and all we had was a flux core. And I will say a flux core welder is not quite a welder. Yeah. It's not <laughs> as fun. It's, yeah. it's your stick and MIG all in one. And it's, right. It's it's a very, I mean it's it's very applicable if you're like trying to do quick fabrication in the field. Yeah. But, um, so, but with being in the maker space, we looked at all your different metalworking tools, and y'all just got a whole bunch of tools given to you. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have been a uh, a partner with JPW, which is Jet Powermatic and Bailey, uh, for. Really, since the beginning, even since before we were a nonprofit, they've been supporting us. Um, and since we moved to this new location, they really upgraded all of our tools. They give us a lot of their scratch and dent stuff, the small stuff, but they also will give us fresh out the box, brand new equipment. So, with this new building, they've given us a full new suite of tools. So, they gave us our 10 inch horizontal dual mitering bandsaw, combo sander, drill, vertical bandsaw. Uh, they're about to give us a cold saw brand new cold saw and they gave us their 45 ton iron worker which is a brand new machine of theirs and it is fantastic we use it all the time and then bailey gave us two welders the the dc multi-process and the acdc tig they also gave us a 16 gauge shear and a 14 gauge pan break and a manual tube roller <laughs> like i worked in my school shop in new york for four years and this shop is 
pretty close to on par with that. And that is just absolutely incredible to be able to have those kinds of tools just, you know, given to us from a benevolent company um, who just wants to support us. And there, I think that there are very few makerspaces in the country who have that good of a relationship with a company like that. And we are so grateful to them. One of our board members is a marketing rep for Jet. And so he's here once or twice a week helping you know, he's been helping like build out the kitchen. It's like they are they are boots on the ground. They're really invested in what we do here, and we just could not be more thankful to have them on our side. Because when you're first getting, say, you like start welding and you like making furniture and everything, having access to some of that equipment, you know, it's thousands and thousands of dollars. If you're a home hobbyist, you're not going to invest that much yeah. money into your home shop. So it's cool having a spot. Uh, that you can come in and work, have access to these machines that you're not going to have at the house. I used to teach a um, like a intro, a, a woodworking for a women class with a friend of mine, and we every time we ran it, we had a good amount of the women in the class. Probably half of them would say, "I'm ready for a career change. I would really like to get into the trades, but I just don't know how to do it. How do I do it?" And it was before I before I even worked at the fort, really, you know, before I was the manager here, I'd be like, go to Fort Houston. That's the best thing that you can do other than going to school. And, you know, I looked into going to TCAT for welding, but the money and the time that it takes to do that, to learn skills that weren't really exactly the kind of skills I was looking for, you know, I'm not... I'm not trying to build bridges. I don't need to stick weld for two months and get certified in that. This is the only place in town and makerspaces in general are really the only place that you can go and you can get the kind of education to start a small business, get into a trade with no experience and with a startup cost of $200 a month. Like you can't even, you can't even buy a half decent welder for that, you know, to, to start welding in your shop and you can get all of that here. And it's the only place to do that without, you know, shelling out a ton of money to go to school and a ton of time. It's like, it's the only place you can do that. And so do you do any, like, community events to try to get more people in? Like, do you ever do nights where it's like, come and weld? Like, or come learn how to weld? (laughs) Um, we, We have events here all the time. We have markets, shows, raves sometimes. All right. Um... And every time we have an event, even if it has absolutely nothing to do with the trades, there's always people that are walking through the shops and there's always a handful of people that are like, this is amazing. I'm really interested. I build stuff in my garage. So each event ends up being a a tour and a way to, you know, recruit new people. And that's, I've gotten a lot of people in the door that way. Jewelers who are like, I really want to get into welding or woodworkers who want to get into welding. And I'm like, hey, I've got a volunteer day. It's not the same as a class, but you'll learn some skills and you don't have to pay for it. So like we're building all of our member desks right now. I'm like, come learn how to weld. You know, you'll, you might be doing a little bit of welding. You'll definitely be doing a lot of cutting. Um, (laughs) I promise you'll learn something. I can't promise you exactly what it is that you'll learn, but you will get your hands dirty. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing that I feel like people don't understand. It was an eye-opening experience for me when I first started welding that you're going to spend way more time prepping and getting everything ready to just make that 
quick little weld, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's the eighty percent clamping. Yes. Ten percent welding, ten percent waiting for your welds to cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so you said you worked at some different shops as well. Mm -hmm. The difference between working in a fab shop compared to a makerspace, like what would you say the big, what are the ups and downs of each? The ups are that it's a lot more fun because part of your job working in a makerspace is to help people and talk and teach. And I've always loved teaching, Mm -hmm. so that's a huge thing for me. The downs are a lot more sweeping. Yeah, Yeah, cleaning up after people. (laughs) A lot of sweeping and cleaning up after people and, you know, sometimes spending a week and a half trying to get your bands out of track right. (laughs) Well, that's that's a a big thing in makerspaces that you have different levels of experience coming in. So the people with more experience spend a lot of time fixing equipment, you know, so that's... That's one thing I, I know just from my personal experiences, like going in and it's like, well, this is down today. Yeah. This will be back. <laughs> yeah. I think that a problem that a lot of, lot of makerspaces have is just understaffing. And luckily we are past the point where we, we have enough staff to kind of keep things running mostly smooth. And we have the staff to support thorough orientations. But you're never going to get up to the level of like a, a school, you know, where students get you know they're required to come and take a three-hour class once a week um and they're supervised whenever they're in the shop you know a makerspace it's gonna be a long time before we have the infrastructure to do that but um you know now we finally have the people who are paid to be here most of the time and really stay on top of stuff keeping keeping it all fixed making sure people know how to do stuff properly and um we're at a way better place than we were a year ago with that sort of thing Um, Because it was all, it was all volunteer. It was all, you know, you know, you can have a free desk if you maintain the tools, but you know, that doesn't really work out as well as you like to think it would. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, you can't, uh, like maintaining stuff is cool, but it does not put food on the table sometimes. Yes, definitely. And so do you have companies that work out of here, like small businesses? You were talking about the knife maker. Yeah, so we have a handful of people who run their full business out of here. Duncan Stevenson, his company is called Horn, Horn and Heel. So he has uh, what we call a micro shop, which is basically one step up from a full desk. Um, so you can rent out, you know, sort of a, a corner here or there in the building to run your business out of. Same thing with um, Nick Matlock, who's the concrete guy. He, he's here all day, every day, running his concrete business out of here. And it's really important that we have those people here because they are the next tier they have more knowledge and experience and we can't have staff here all day every day so they are essential to you know having people in the building keeping an eye on things uh keeping their finger on the pulse of what's happening you know we have what we call member liaisons who if members have you know issues or concerns um and they can't find a staff member to bring it up to or don't feel comfortable bringing it to a staff member they can bring it to one of the member liaisons sometimes they're just a little more accessible uh, than the staff members. So we love having those people here. And of course they help us out tremendously. Mm-hmm. You know, Nick did the sings for our bathroom. He does. They're awesome. They are awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, and he teaches, you know, he takes, he took on one of our other members as an apprentice. Well, and that's like a big benefit of being in a maker's space is that 
when you do have people that are running like a full-fledged business out of it, it's one, inspirational to new people trying mm-hmm. to get into stuff. Uh, so it's like if you, it, it's more of a, instead of thinking, I, oh, I, I have no idea how I could ever do that or I could never do that. You see someone doing it and then you talk to them and you ask them questions and they answer and it's not, it's not as cutthroat as most right. other things in the industry. Right. And it's just, that's what I like about Makerspace is that it, it encourages education and it encourages people to branch out and mm-hmm. ask questions and form relationships with other members. Yeah, and you can get into all sorts of stuff that you would never have thought of otherwise and do collaborations that you would never thought of otherwise. Like, Duncan actually got in, he came in here because he recently moved to Nashville and just looked up shops in town, trains people to go chat with, and he ran into a guy who was a Fort Houston alum who started his small business here and now is a giant company that, you know, just bought a huge new building out of National City and they're building five-story bars downtown. And Duncan said, hey, I'm looking for a space. I'm looking for more tradespeople. And he was like, go to Fort Houston. That'll, that'll be your home. And it is <laughs> for him now. And when I moved back from New York, I was looking for a job and I just went, I just hit up all the people who were who were Fort Houston alums who had grown out of the space and, you know, had to, had to move into a bigger shop. And I think I ended up working for three of them in the past couple of years. And I just, a bunch of those businesses ended up in the same building. So I just walked in and I was like, Hey guys, remember me? I'm back. Who wants to hire me? Yeah. And they were all like, we do, we need workers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's like a huge benefit of being in a maker space is that you know, there's job offers. I know at the makerspace that I work out of, there's community, like the community will send in jobs that they want done and they'll post it to a board. And if it's mm-hmm. something that you could do, you respond and chit chat, you know, but then also with members outgrowing the space, getting bigger companies and everything, mm-hmm. like that's a track record that it's not rocket science to build a business, you know, and it's showing you that 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 is something you could do, but you also have a network of people kind of built into the space mm-hmm. that's always growing, always changing, different types of businesses, and that I, I was, I'm a fan. Hey everyone, if you are looking to pick up a new machine, head on over to store.lincolnelectric.com and you can use one of our promo codes, weld.com10 for 10% off equipment, or weld.com20 for 20% off gear, accessories, and these are going to be good for the rest of the year. Again, that's weld.com spelled out W-E-L-D-D-O-T-C-O-M with 10 or 20 after, and you can snag some sweet new gear at a sweet new price. So how many jobs have you gotten just through being at a makerspace? Jobs where I, I went to their shop and like worked full time, probably three. Mm-hmm. And then odd jobs, just, you know, thousand bucks here, thousand bucks there. Probably in the past couple of years, like 25 to 30, but I hate doing projects like that. So I say no to a ton of them. I hate trying to manage my own time. It doesn't work for me. So I pass most of those off, but it's just, it's nonstop. And I think that when I tell people who want to get into the trades, I'm like, Re- really? Just, just join Fort Houston and practice a little bit, get kind of good, and you will get jobs. Yeah. And I think that people don't really believe me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, 
No, really. Well, it's funny because that that is another thing, a big question that people have, like getting into welding is that it's just like, well, how do I how do I get jobs? You know, and if you're part of a community like this, that's a really easy way to do it. But if you're not, you know, it it is a little bit of an uphill battle and also having your name attached to a place like Fort Houston, you, you know, you got kind of a little bit of credibility behind that. It's like we know that they do good work, so it's like you kind of get to piggyback off of other people's success too. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it kind of goes both ways because we have, we have members come in all the time and they say, you know, I'm interested in doing this sort of thing. A lot of times it's people who are new to town. They'll walk in and be like, we had somebody come in the other day who she does uh, bronze casting. And she was interested in her metal shop, but she was also asking about foundry work. And it's like, if if someone in this building doesn't know, which the majority of the time, if you need to do something, someone in this building knows how to do it. But if not, somebody in this building certainly knows someone who knows how to yeah. do it. So I started, you know, putting my feelers out and found a friend of a friend who gave me a list of all the foundries in the Southeast. It goes both ways. It's a huge asset to members, but it's also a huge asset to to the community for people who need to come in and get, get small jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a lot of people who come in um, and they're like, I had this job and I found two or three other welders on Facebook or on Craigslist and they all fell through or they did a bad job. And then they find out about Fort Houston and they walk in and... So we have all the connections to pass you off to someone who is certain, is going to do a really good job. Even if they're not necessarily in this building, we can absolutely find you the right person to do what you want to do. Because we really, between all of us, we probably know 80% of the tradespeople and shops in yeah. town um, that do similar sort of stuff. You know, not, not so much like, you know, construction. Um, but As far as like turning away work, we kind of touched on it earlier about People have unrealistic expectations from welders sometimes, mm-hmm. and you said a lot of the community will come here asking for things to be done, kind of like trailers and everything. It's How do you explain to people coming in here, do you kind of give guidance on what type of work is good for them to take, or like do you kind of guide them through the process of building like clients and stuff like that, or is it more of, you're just like, I don't know if I would do that. Yeah. <laughs> um. I do a little bit. If, if a job comes through, I'll definitely guide them towards the person who I think would be best for the job and who I think could handle it. I personally am a little bit risk-averse, and I also don't like doing freelance jobs at all. So I think I project that onto other people sometimes. But Jake, my partner, he is the exact op- opposite. He is exemplary of taking taking on jobs, writing off a little bit more than you can choose so that you can learn. And he's learned a lot really fast. So I think between he and I, we are a good balance of maybe don't do that. Maybe your skills aren't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And him being like, it's a big project. You should do it. We'll help you along the way. We'll guide you a little bit. If somebody's doing a project that I think is a little bit out of their scope, I'll like keep a little bit of a closer eye on them. Definitely give them all the advice, but we don't get that many projects in here that fall into that category. If it's something like a trailer, mm-hmm. I'll straight up say, don't, don't do that. Because <laughs> well, like that's a big thing that is a common misconception about welding is that everyone thinks, you know, to do anything, you have to have certifications. Right. You know, it's like, they're great to have. You want to become a welder. Everyone thinks, oh, well, I just want to go get certified. And But a lot of jobs you're going to get, you're going to have to get recertified right. every single time. And then if you're doing smaller furniture stuff, you know, you, 
you don't necessarily need to have a D11 cert or like a pipe cert to yeah. make a table that's going to sit in somebody's. What's crazy too is that one of the first jobs I had moving back to Nashville was at Animax. They build like giant robotics for like amusement parks oh, and cool. stuff, like Universal oh, Studios. Crazy stuff. And a good friend of mine who I've worked with over the years at different places, she went to TCAT and she got me the job at Animax, just a contractor for a little bit. But I was not allowed to do any of the TIG welding because I didn't have certs. Or I could only I could only weld things that stayed in house. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to weld anything that went out. Yeah. And they told me it was because I didn't have certs. And then I found out years later that April, who went to school, didn't even have TIG certs. Mm-hmm. She didn't get TIG certs from TCAT. She not, well, schools most most of the time you're not going to come out of schools with certs. Yeah, they teach you how to pass the certification test. Yeah. Like the program I was in, it was I did a structural program and then I did pipe welding program, and it, like they they prepare you to go and take these weld tests that are then going to be your certs. You right. Know? So it's it, that's that's something that I feel like is a really big misconception with people trying to get into the trades. Is yeah. That like. Well, I could never do it because it's going to take me forever to learn how to pass these tests. I mean, because the tests are not, it's not easy. Yeah. It's not something that you're just like, oh, I'm going to pick up a welder and next week I'm going to go get certified. Right. It's like, it's going to take some hours. Yeah. And it's a lot of money. Yeah. Because I looked into it and it's, it's one for your, your, your steel MIG cert. It's one for your steel TIG cert. It's one for your aluminum TIG cert. It's one for your stainless MIG cert. It's like. There's a lot of certs. It is important. I mean, <laughs> safety is a huge thing we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier, but, like, just people's safety, those certifications are kind of a assurance that this person is going to do a great job. Right. But when you're working out of kind of a maker space, those aren't going to be the type of jobs you're going for mm-hmm. unless, you know, you can work up to that someday. You know, right. If you, but, like, trying to go get those structural certs and, things like that, that's is recommended to go get training for. Right. Know? Yes, but absolutely. If you're trying to be a maker, which is like really big these days, mm-hmm. like the maker whole community of makers has really blown up over the past like 10 years. And now it, with welding, I feel like more people are dabbling in it because it's offered at maker spaces, but not a lot of not a lot of maker spaces are going to have a huge metal shop like y'all have here. Yeah, I think the most of what I've seen at other shops that I've gone to, they're a lot heavier on the the tech side, 3D printers, 3D printers. laser cutters, <laughs> stuff like that, which is awesome and fantastic. But we're one of the few metal shops where, like, or one of the few maker spaces where our shops are Separate. our big thing. Our wood shop and our metal shop are big, and that's what we invest a ton of a ton of our resources into, and we're looking to expand into 3D printers and laser cutters, but that very much comes second. Not come second, but uh, we haven't grown into that yet. Mm-hmm. And I've gone to a lot of metal shops, maker spaces that have, you know, their welding shop is usually a table in the corner. and a welder yeah. <laughs> and an angle grinder and maybe a little bandsaw, yeah. which, I, which I think is great. Um, I was talking to a prospective member yesterday about um, different price points and accessibility, and I think that those shops are fantastic. They're probably not run as well and as clean and upkept nearly as well as ours, but they're a lot cheaper. So, you know, I learned how to weld in a backyard with a welder. Would I have ever walked into this place and dropped $200 for membership when I was, you know, 19? Probably not. But if I could drop 
$50 to walk into a shop and play with a welder and make some crappy furniture, yeah. you know, that would be great. So I think that they're sort of the the little brother and we're kind of the big brother. That sounds dystopian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we're the we're a little more professional. We, it's like stepping stones. You got your first step to kind of get you up the staircase, and once you get your feet on that, then you're in here. Yeah. And then you can grow it for more. Right. It's like, you know, would I have, would I have known that I love sheet metal working or that I was into forging? You know, it's like you're not going to find a forge or a really nice pan break at like a, a lot of the other smaller maker spaces. But had I not been able to walk into it in the first place and find a little welder in the corner, you know, I never would have known that I loved everything about metalworking and woodworking. So what is your favorite process? Welding process or just general? Just welding process. I do a ton of MIG welding, but definitely TIG. See, everybody loves TIG. Everybody loves TIG. It's, it's so pretty. Do you do it stainless? Not, not often, just because yeah. people don't ask for it. It's expensive right now. Yeah, I mean, I haven't bought stainless in a long time. Why do you love TIG welding? Because it's small and pretty. Yeah. And I get to sit down. When you work on your feet all day, I love being able to sit and weld. Yeah. You know, you don't get sparks all over you. Is your, the machines you have here, or is it foot pedal or is it scratch chart? We've got a, I think both of our machines are pul- pulse oh, or nice. torch or foot pedal. I always set them up as foot pedal because that's how I learned and that's what I like. I think I've tried to use torch torch trigger with a pulse and it just did not work for me. I like having all the control. I'll show people how to use it, tell them how it works, tell them to try it out if they like it. But yeah, I've I've always got the foot pedal set up. Yeah. So tungsten, when you're talking about TIG, do you all provide tungsten or is that something that people have to provide themselves? Uh, We provide all the tungsten. um, And consumables like your gas lenses, collets, all that kind of stuff. Is that provided? Yep. It's all provided. See that... That's another thing people don't really understand that adds up really fast is your consumables. Yeah. Like, especially learning. Like, <laughs> you're going to blow through. I mean, if you're MIG welding, you're going to go through endless contact tips, maybe even a nozzle, maybe a gun liner. If yeah. you're doing TIG, you're going to go through all kinds of tungsten. Yeah. And it's having that provided, that's, that's what justifies the cost of joining a makerspace, in my opinion, uh, is that... There's equipment that you're not going to be able to afford right out the gate, but there's also your gas, your consumables. What about material? Is that something people have to bring in? Yeah, so people bring in all their own material, but by nature of a makerspace or, you know, like school shops, material accumulates quickly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So we have our big rack in there, and probably 60-70% of that is unclaimed. So when people just want to come in and start learning, there's almost endless material to do that with, especially when you just want to mess around and learn to weld. You know, that's what the scrap bin is for. You have a big scrap bin out there? Yeah. It's just free for all? Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've got our, you know, our, our full stock rack and then our short but still usable stock rack and then our scrap bin, which, you know, goes out every once in a while. But there's definitely endless material to practice with and a lot of material to work with. And then the fort occasionally has, has dropped from projects that we've done. And so sometimes we'll share that. Drop accumulates from projects and everything. Yeah, quite a bit. Um, we are nested right in the, like a pretty industrial part of town. So pretty much any 
supplier you need is really close. We've got several metal shops, you know, within two miles. So people, you know, we get everything in 20, 24 foot stock. And so anything that's drop, if people label it and want to keep it, then they get to. But for the most part, it just kind of gets forgotten. And, you know, if it's not labeled, it's kind of up for grabs. But yeah, so so we accumulate a ton of drop, but people are expected to bring in, you know, get their own material when they um when they have like a big project to do. How do people find Fort Houston? People can find Fort Houston at forthouston.org or you can walk in and get a tour or schedule a tour online. Uh, we are at 217 Willow Street, Nashville, Tennessee. Do y'all have social medias? Instagram is FH underscore artisan support project or Fort Houston. And you can also follow our State Gallery and Studios at State Gallery and Studios on Instagram. Awesome. Well, it's been a wonderful time sitting down and chatting, and thanks for giving me the tour. Hopefully, I'll be back here sometime soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Well.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington, and make sure you head on over to Well.com to keep up to date with all the new news and the forums over there. And until next week, we'll see you out there.